A lot of this stuff is configurable. I would really, really recommend working with your technology partners and the studios that I've seen be most successful moving to virtual work are ones that have kind of acknowledged this partnership and made full advantage of it. Welcome to our first season of the Teradici podcast series. On this season, we'll explore the whys and how-tos for a successful remote gaming studio with AWS and AMD. Your host is Alyssa Poon, Partner Marketing Director. Welcome. Today, we're going to chat about what a remote game development studio will feel like from the artist or developer's perspective. What a group we have for today's podcast. With me today is Michael Deneff, Director of Cloud Graphics at AMD, Dominic Mills, Game Solutions Architect at AWS, Dave Moore, Director of Business Development at Teradici, and Kyle Runciman, Product Marketing Manager and an experienced concept artist at Wacom. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining me. Thanks for having us. Hi, Alyssa. Thanks. Thanks. Nice to be here. Hi, Alyssa. Thanks for having us. One topic we've covered in our previous podcast is how important the user experience is, regardless of how close the artist is to their workstation. Kyle, from the artist's perspective, why consider a remote work experience and what would you gain from it? Well, remote work experience connects artists and designers to workstations that they're familiar with at the studio that they may not have access to for any given reason. Allows them to do the same work that they get done at the office from anywhere in the world, essentially, whether it be at home or on vacation. And that immediate and direct feedback from this connection is so important, especially when it comes to the front end of the game design workflow. Really important to get the artists and designers to have that creative process flowing, allowing them to focus on the work itself. If hardware or latency get in the way, that can really hinder that creative flow and we'd want to avoid that as best possible. I've been connecting with Mike Cintiq directly to a machine in Portland. My home office is in Ottawa, which is like 2,500 miles away. Unbelievable. It feels like I'm sketching and painting on a local machine and sculpting in ZBrush on Dynameshes with poly counts that are just like out of this world. So pretty impressive. Dominic, what would be the priority when working remotely? And what would the first steps be in moving to a hybrid or fully remote setup? So as Kyle said, the priority is really making sure that that creative flow stays the same and stays smooth, right? And that experience is as close as possible to the artist sitting in the studio or office doing their work there. So to achieve that, the first thing that a studio or artists need to think about is which actual people and roles need the benefits of a remote studio. And these are things that we've talked about in previous issues of this podcast, but flexible work is a really, really hot topic right now and something that everyone is dealing with. Security, of course, is paramount and a big reason that a lot of studios are moving to remote work. And then also things like onboarding contracted artists and studios might be another reason that various people might need the benefits of a remote studio. So once you kind of establish which people need these and which roles those are, obviously today we're talking about this from the perspective of the artist, then you can move on to what capabilities they're going to need, right? For an artist, it's very likely that that's going to be something like high-end graphical work for people like Kyle who are working with high poly counts and like complex animations or graphical work. Another thing that artists have to deal with a lot is handling large assets. So you might have to consider how good your network connection is to your source control, right? That's something that can eat up a lot of your time or become a big roadblock in that creative flow. So it's another thing that you have to kind of make sure that you have a handle of and are accounting for when you're choosing a technology solution. And it could just be something as simple as you need some specific software, but that has to be taken account for when you're looking for a solution. 
So you take all of those requirements and those needs and you work backwards from those to settle on a technology solution, right? And I want to point out here that this might not be a one size fits all for every single role and every single person. People have different sensitivities to different things, right? Everyone's network conditions might be a little bit different. Their needs might be different from role to role, person to person. So this is something to keep in mind. It's not always one size fits all. For example, a you know, 3D artist might need a high-end graphical work while producer or product manager might not need something that beefy and strong. And then really it comes to the fun part, which is actually testing the technology once you've settled on it, right? Get that into the hands of the artists, have them test it out, see what that experience is like. I think Kyle's point there was awesome. He said he's going from Ottawa to Portland to a virtual workstation in Portland, and the experience is still great. So I think that would be a big surprise to some of the people listening here is how kind of seamless of an experience that can still be even when your virtual workstation is very far away, like across an entire continent. And the final kind of point that I will leave here is to make sure to work with your technology partner when you're doing this testing. I think it's really easy to think that you're the only one that's running into a specific issue with like an input device or maybe something about the color is not coming through properly on the screen. A lot of this stuff is configurable. I would really, really recommend working with your technology partners and the studios that I've seen being most successful moving to virtual work are ones that have kind of acknowledged this partnership and made full advantage of it. Yeah, there, there's some really interesting things you mentioned there, Dominic. And one of the things that I think from an artist perspective, as I think about like the days of how internet used to be dial up and you had the funny modem sound. And it used to be so slow, right? And then suddenly you fast forward Moore's Law, we've got blazing fast internet, so fast we can't even saturate the line with my five kids trying to download Netflix, play Fortnite and whatnot, and I'm still doing work seamlessly. What's interesting is uh, from a comparison, I, I look at the advancements in what I'll call pixel shipping as in a comparison to the old Wi-Fi and the old internet, the old dial-up modems, right? The technology has just leaped so far, but it hasn't been in the forefront. It hasn't been made visible all the time. And uh, I think it's really exciting to have folks like Kyle, you know, come on and talk about their experience because they can truly feel that aspect of it and that advancement in technology. It really is a game changer. And I too am an artist, by the way. I, I have a Cintiq 24 behind me and I draft up a lot of woodworking projects, rather be you know a bar, a piece of furniture, something custom for a jewelry shop or a full house remodel, right? And I do that all remotely. I, I actually use Teradici to connect to a uh, remote workstation in the cloud and leverage the uh, cloud infrastructure it gives me far more horsepower than I, I typically have here on my desk. And I only use it when I need to. So I, I think that's, you know, there's a mentality shift of always being the guy that I had this huge box underneath my desk, which I had spent thousands of dollars for. And I, I got to learn about storage and how do I make faster uh, read write speeds on my hard drives just so that I could literally have the best performing solution under my desk. And now I can just click a button and go straight to the best performing at the moment in time that I can possibly get. And I don't have to spend thousands of dollars to do that. Thanks, Dave. Michael, this one's for you. What has been your experience with the artists you have worked with as they make the move to remote work? Yeah, well, artists like many of us and game developers as well are typically creatures of habit. And when the concept of switching to a remote workstation comes up, in many cases, there's a bit of skepticism. You know, it's wondering if 
my apps and engines are going to work from the cloud like it does on on-prem if I've got enough horsepower both on the CPU and the GPU side to be sufficient if my network is in line with what the requirements are. But in general, the results are really, really positive. Cloud workstations typically have the latest and greatest hardware. Applications tend to just work. You know, it's a different workflow going from local to cloud. And I think the key here is to really embrace and trust the process. There's not a lot of risk to it in the sense that, you know, you're not going to be buying new hardware or software technology, but there will be changes in the workflow, everything from storage to file access and security, how you collaborate and making sure that you're spending the time to kind of get used to the workflow is really important. But the overall experience of moving to the cloud is very positive. Thanks, Michael. Dave, how do you think Teradici can help artists in their creative process? I think it really just starts with providing that high fidelity experience. I mean, I kind of went on a little bit of a tangent regarding Dominic's comments here about the performance and ease of use of uh, the tablet myself. But one of the things I didn't mention is, you know, I have multi 4K monitors sitting on my desk, not to count the Wacom tablet itself, which is also 4K, which is amazing, right? But there's a reality there's you know, being able to connect at that high fidelity resolution and a high frame rate for artists, it really enables creativity just to flow. You don't have to change your day in and day out workflow. It's just part of what you do. It's just, it's a seamless transition. And I think Teradici is really focused on that. You know, as I look at roadmap and everything that we're focused on, it's all about satisfying that artist and the critical demand of getting the performance that they're expecting constantly, and then taking it a step further, be groundbreaking, bring things like higher color fidelity, faster and higher frame rates, and being able to connect easier in enhancing security. So these are all things I think that are just adding to this experience of easing the artist into a, what seems like a no transition transition, if you will, it really does feel like you click a button and you're still working on your, your desktop. So to make it feel like you're not actually changing anything, but you have access to all this horsepower. That's pretty awesome. Thanks, Dave. Kyle, do you feel more equipped to work remotely with access to tools like that? A hundred percent. As I'm in a completely work from home environment, I have access to tools that I don't have set up locally yet. A big component of my job here at Wacom is to be familiar with the software and processes that artists, designers, and animators are using to help bring game titles, animations, and VFX and feature films from initial concept phases to release. Having all these tools readily available locally is near impossible and, at this point, completely unnecessary. I can tap into more powerful workstations and get the training and experience the workflows and mess around with the industry-leading tools, all from a laptop that's great for email and watching YouTube videos. With all the compute power happening at the cloud and the server level, I don't need to worry about my hardware as much as I used to. Likewise, I think that's that's what we see as a similar story across other studios that we're working with that have kind of made that transition over to virtual workstations. That's a really interesting point. You know, the fact that you can forget about the hardware is really important. It's one less stressor when you're trying to be creative, right? Or even if you're just trying to work on a workflow that doesn't require creativity, it's uh, one less thing in your way. I also think one of the things that Teradici does that is starting to shine through, and this podcast is actually one of those testaments, is focusing on our partnerships of the overall ecosystems within each segment. So like gaming and, and really honing in and working with all those partners in gaming. 
you know, to ship those pixels as fast as possible, as clear as possible, as color accurate as possible, right? And removing all the barriers of having to set all this stuff up. So there's a lot to go into the ecosystem in making good partnerships that uh, bring the solution to the forefront. That's so true, Dave. Thank you. So there must be some best practices that an artist or a studio could benefit from. I know we've touched on a few here, but I bet you have some more. Is there anything you could recommend, Dominic? Yeah, I think one thing that I've noticed when working with studios is that sometimes there's these knowledge silos between the production teams and the IT or DevOps teams. This might be coming from a little bit of a biased perspective because I'm often talking with customers who do have some sort of cloud knowledge, but a lot of the times that information isn't being shared back and forth. So one thing that I've seen studios do that has been really successful is making sure that those relationships between technology partners are known by the artists as well. And I find that once the artists start talking to folks like Teradici or AWS, that really accelerates their movement to trying out these virtual workstations, understanding all the benefits that everyone here has been talking about, and ultimately being able to have that creative process take place virtually. So I guess my piece of advice would be don't be a silo and don't let others be a silo either. Make sure you're kind of breaking down those walls, talking with members of other teams and just checking in and saying, hey, is is there like a solution that we're already exploring here? And it may be that it's the same one that you were looking into yourself. Thanks, Dominic. Michael, any advice from your side? Yeah, I I think one uh, piece of advice is really around mindset. As you are embracing this new technology and new way of doing your work is realize that there's not a lot of risk in this. I mean, it's not like you're buying a new piece of hardware or a workstation or a development laptop or something along those lines, or you're not investing in new, new software either. So Jump in, and if a particular instance at AWS is not performing, then try a higher performance one. So it's it's really easy to do that. And then also kind of rethink your development time pipeline. It may be a good time to do that. How to use it, use this environment to your advantage. Maybe there's new collaboration approaches in how you share your data sets. And then maybe start with a portion of your workflow that you feel comfortable with and then work from there. Maybe you start with uh, concepts or, or start with prototyping at the end of the workflow or sketching or modeling or, and, and see how that goes and then expand from there and keep an open mind and embrace the process. I'm just going to key off one quick thing you said there, Michael, which is you're right. There's not a ton of risk in trying these things out. If you're using hardware and paying for it on a second to second basis, then you're truly only paying for what you're using. One mistake that I've seen some studios make when they're actually testing out these instances is to provision an instance that's on the smaller end, maybe the smallest end, and they find that for whatever reason, the performance isn't kind of up to what they require, right? And it's really because they were just trying to go for the smallest thing and and weren't willing to have that mindset of, hey, let me find the thing that works and then work backwards from that. So one recommendation that we've been doing recently is say, hey, let's start with kind of a mid-sized instance. You can get an understanding of what typical performance looks like, and then you can adjust from there instead of starting at the small end and just discounting the solution entirely because you think it doesn't suit you when you're just running up against hardware limitations. 
Thanks, Dominic. Kyle, any best practices to recommend? Yeah, and again, these are expanding a little bit on what Michael had mentioned about getting your mindset in the right space and get your comfort level where it needs to be. To invest a little bit of time up front, map your express keys on your walking device, make sure that your remote experience feels as close to a local experience as it can so your mind doesn't make that jump. So it's easier for you to feel like you're just working on a regular local machine and that one workflow is as close as it can be to the other workflow. And Dave? I think it's probably been said that give it a shot, right? When you're looking at the expense of these things, I'll just make a a little shameless plug here, but you can try the product out for 50 cents an hour on Amazon. We have a marketplace image that uses various different sizes, but we map all those out. And so they're easy to pick from and easier to know which ones, you know, basically align with the workflow. And they're pre-installed images. You can quickly launch them and try them out for, I would say, next to nothing and really see how things perform. So I would encourage all users out there that are interested, even remotely interested, no pun intended, to just go out and give it a shot. It's really not that expensive and it's a good way to start getting your feet wet with a transition into cloud and seeing really how well it performs. Thank you, Michael, Dominic, Dave, and Kyle for joining us today. We appreciate the conversation. Please remember to visit our asset library at teradici.com slash podcasts for more information and to subscribe to our podcast series to hear more about this topic. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks, Alyssa. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Alyssa. Thanks, Alyssa. Bye, everyone. Thank you for joining us on this episode of our Teradici podcast series. Don't forget to visit teradici.com slash podcasts to subscribe to our podcast and review our asset library. 